Hey, you made it. Thanks for joining us. Our guest today is Stephen Black, who is an augmented reality producer, an artist, and a writer. Stephen has worked for some of the biggest media companies in the world, including Cartoon Network, Fox, and CNN. Now his main project is called Bubico. It's an AR character that's meant to highlight healthy eating, sustainability, and Asian cuisine. Stephen joins us this week to discuss how he's using NFTs to complement the Bubico AR project. Oh, it looks like Stephen is ready. Let's get started. Okay, hi, my name is Stephen Black. Um, I've had a long career in communication in the arts. I've worked in network TV. Um, but my main thrust has always been art, visual art, video art, conceptual art, photographic art. Um, but I also have worked in game making and done a lot of virtual reality, uh, I shouldn't say virtual reality, 3D game making projects, which long story short led to the development of a character called Bubico Food Tour. And Bubico Food Tour was meant to be an explorer for the intersection of food, art, and AR slash VR, what we now call the metaverse. So now for the past, since 2015, I've been focused on Bubico and getting her into AR projects. Uh, she's made a movie that's been called the equivalent of the world's first website because we use geopose based AR. Um, I've done a lot of things, so I'll kind of let you uh, take it from there. But simply, uh, AR producer, artist, writer, that's me. Steven, it's amazing to have you here on the podcast, man. I've, I've been following you for a little bit. We, we've been chatting back and forth. Uh, I, I really like what, what, what you have going on. And so it's great to just have you on the show and be able to share some of your story with the audience. Uh, and if I could add a little bit to your introduction, I'd say you're also living the dream as a digital entrepreneur. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I, Entrepreneur implies... Uh, ROI and there's been a lot of R but not so much OI yet but, but <laughs> yes I've, I've been very lucky and I'm very fortunate to have accomplished what I have but it, again it's mainly been art or research with augmented reality um, it's still so new that the, the business models aren't developed as an art form it's really exciting uh, I, I call what I'm doing spatial cinema which means hmm. using AR to create movies now we're limited with the technology now when 5g comes in we'll have much, many more options but it's it's an exciting time but thank you for saying i'm an entrepreneur i <laughs> when we see that uh roi then i'll say entrepreneur but for now i just say artist producer researcher writer okay understood well look, let me dive a little bit further into your background as well because okay. one of the things that um one of the things that really interested me uh, is that you, uh, you, I think, started off working for Cartoon Network, uh, which is something that stands out to me. Uh, but then you also ended up in Asia as an author and having produced uh, several ebooks. And you probably, like, like you were saying, most famous for your, your AR project, which is the Bubico Food, Food Tour, um, which, from my recollection, is meant to spread information about healthy eating and sustainable living. And and now one of the things that we talked about real, really recently is that you're launching an an NFT to help to complement this project as well. And I'm hoping, can you give us 
bit more of a summary of, of your journey as an artist and how, how did you end up at this place? Okay, uh, I, I should clarify. After I graduated uh, from the Rochester Institute of Technology, I went to New York and I was very fortunate to work at a place called Young Filmmakers Video Arts, which was uh, a little nonprofit in the worst part of New York. At that time, New York was full of crime, heroin, burning buildings. It was it was a, mm. like a war zone. Um, it, however, what a situation like that really brings out the best of you because if you're in that situation, you're not there to play around. So all the people there were mm-hmm. very dedicated artists, very serious artists. Uh, but after two years, I went to Tokyo. And the reason for that was video art. Uh, what the Japanese were doing with video art was just you know amazing as you might imagine the combination of yeah. new technology and you know traditional art forms so um i was there i ended up being there for almost 20 years i've also been to hong kong and in hong kong <clears throat> that's where i worked for cartoon network i was a producer of promos which are short 15 second commercials basically for movies or for commercials um mm-hmm. but i've worked for fox i've worked for cnn um but in 2002 i worked for a game making company a startup and we were doing exciting things. And unfortunately, on the day of the launch, the man in charge passed away. So oh. that's when I decided to write books. That was 2004. I thought someday there will be a time to return to spatial computing or 3D game making or or whatever it might be. I had no idea how it would unfold. But mm-hmm. in 2015, when the Oculus came out, I said, okay, now's the time to see what see what what can be done because it's a level playing field it's all new now so sure. that's when bubiko was started with my partner sayuri okayama <clears throat> nice yeah th- thanks for for that that's um, a, I, i've done a lot <laughs> it's very very yeah, hard yeah. to condense it into 30 seconds and i'm i'm really no. not used to talking about myself so <laughs> no i i think that that's the, the the case for for most people but yeah we, we definitely appreciate you sharing that bit of that summary and you're right the there's so much to talk about with you, um, so so maybe actually I'll we, we'll start with the books because well, wait, you told it, me that you, I'm sorry to interrupt, you, but maybe if I can say that the NFT is a way of summarizing this because it involves Bubico and Bubico involves all of the projects that I've been doing from from the start, including writing, including the Cartoon Network experiences, the fine art experiences, the conceptual art experiences. So all of these lifetime of experiences are being condensed yeah. into what the nft will be i think mm. one of the one of the things that i've realized about the nft world just in the short time that i've really been intensely observing it is that at the end of the day a lot of is a lot of nfts are about identity yeah the idea who, who's producing what kind of art there are very serious fine artists there are very very, I, I don't want to say shallow, but there are some people who are only creating NFTs just to, to make money and no judgments. But I think anybody that wants to go into NFTs really must think about what they, how they, what their identity is. Mm-hmm. I like that. And so you, you are using the NFT to sort of showcase your identity and, well, and the identity of well, Obico. someone once said that all art is self-portraiture. Ah, okay. Yes. So, I mean, that that could be extended to anything we do in our life as an expression of who we are, but especially mm-hmm. with NFTs, because you've got one two by two, or, you know, you've got one square 
image there, which represents what you're what you're trying to do in life. Are you trying to buy a Maserati? Are you trying to help a charity? Are you just trying to feed your family? Are you just trying to have fun? I mean, sure. I, I don't want to be, be, be super serious. <laughs> you, you know, no one has to be, uh, you know, pouring, uh, having, you know, wounds out of making art to make an NFT. But I think mm -hmm. in, in my case, especially, it's really a, a time for me to, to define what I want to do with my art, because primarily this is an artwork. Now, yeah. realistically, there is the chance to make money. But if I was just trying to make money, I think I would be doing things very differently. For sure, definitely understood. And and so be, before we, we get too much deeper in, into the NFT conversation, because I yes. know we're going to have a great conversation about that, I wanted to let the audience sort of know a, a bit more about your history. So another thing that that stuck out to me is um, are your eBooks. You actually told oh. me that you published one of the first, if not the first eBook in Singapore. And I thought that that was that's an amazing <laughs> accolade to have to your name. Like, how did you get the idea to start writing ebooks? Uh, well, first of all, my father was a book salesman, so I grew up reading uh, books, of course, but also seeing a little bit behind the scenes in terms of the industry. There's a magazine called Publishers Weekly, and I was probably mm -hmm. the only second grader who was looking through, you know, Publishers Weekly. <laughs> the only the only thing I could understand was actually or read was the, basically the bestseller list. So I grew up with that and with my dad and um, we watched the whole evolution of eBooks. In the beginning, it was very chaotic. Every phone maker had a different reader. It was, it was mm -hmm. chaos, but when Amazon released the Kindle, that's when I thought, okay, now we've got a major, major statement and a major yeah. opportunity. So I started a book about Obama, um, not a political book, more of a biography. And actually the original concept was when I started to write about Obama, nobody knew who he was. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I shouldn't say nobody knew who he was, but he, he was not even, uh, in the presidential race, but he had lived oh, wow. in, but he had lived in Jakarta, which is not that far right. from Singapore to give you an idea. When mm -hmm. I went to Jakarta, they didn't know who he was. <laughs> Okay, and wow. I was trying to find where he lived, and I was trying to find what he ate. So I went to his yeah. school. Anyway, I, I don't want to digress too much. Stories I got a million of them, Jay. I got a sure. million of them. So anyway, so that was the theme of my first book, and I at the time it was very difficult to make. It was basically like designing a website. So I had friends who helped me make the ebook, and I had mm -hmm. charts, I had graphs, I had photos. But at the time, the Kindles were limited to, to grayscale and to text only. So yeah. we were really pushing the limit. So basically that book, which is called Obama Search Words, I need to remake. It's for sale on Amazon, but it, it hasn't sold anything because I've done no marketing. But uh, okay. I should now pull that out of storage and not pull it out of storage, but just revise it now with the new technology and make it a new ebook. So. Singapore also um, their relationship with ebooks and Amazon. I don't know if it's true now, but for a while Amazon was ebooks were banned in Singapore. Wow! Yeah, okay. that's a whole another story as well. But yeah. um, you know, I so I was just the first one to make one there, pretty much. Same thing oh, for what I for think. what it's worth. Same thing with uh, Kickstarter. I was the first one to try a Kickstarter, in based in Singapore. Okay, nice. So you, you've actually had a, a couple of firsts in Singapore, then. So that that whole 
um, period of time being in in Asia, being being in, in Singapore, I think what was was really good for you. Uh, oh, I uh, Asia is definitely definitely been a, a, an important part of my life and, and a positive one. I, nice. I I'm I'm from America. I was born in Ohio. I lived in America until I was, you know, twenty three, and that was mm-hmm. a few. That was a couple years ago. <laughs> no, I've been there probably three or four decades. Okay. Oh wow. Okay. That that yeah. is a long time. Yeah. Three All three right. three decades. Yeah. I'm in Toledo, Ohio now. COVID, of course, has changed everything. So. Um, and happy to be here. It's an exciting time to, to to be anywhere. I mean, you know, whether I was here in Bali or Singapore or Tokyo, you know, NFTs would definitely be on the horizon for for me. I would be somehow involved with them. <clears throat> okay. Well, yeah. Well, let, let, let's bring it back to the NFT project then, and maybe talk a bit about Bubico. Uh, so, I I think Bubico may have started out as a book. You, you can tell me if I'm right or wrong about that. Just doing my research about it seems like it maybe started out as a no, book. But now um, you bring no. Yeah. Sorry. Um, in 2015, my partner and I were in a strange situation in that we we had a visa issue and we had to decide what to do. Should we come to America? She's Japanese. Should we go to Japan? And we decided okay. to become digital nomads, which has great nice. advantages. And, you know, it's a nice way of saying homeless, but um, <laughs> part of the, so we, we took that and tried to make it an advantage and we used it as a way to research the food of Southeast Asia. So, okay. Malaysia, Thailand, Indonesia, China, a bit of Vietnam. We were researching food and and I was researching AR and VR. And mm-hmm. we realized that, you know, without any money, um, we still could make a, a presence in, in the AR world if we had what we thought if we had a character. So we created a character in order to make a presence in the AR world for demonstrations. So originally, okay. I, we would walk around with a paper doll and put it on the table and say, eventually, Bubico will be able to walk on your table and talk to you about the food. Wow. Okay. So <laughs> we were doing that in Malaysia and you know, trying to get by. And eventually, I was able to give a talk at a university in Bangkok. And then mm-hmm. eventually, I gave a talk and a, did a workshop at <clears throat> Hong Kong Poly U in Hong Kong. And then I was involved with uh, TechCrunch Shenzhen. And then suddenly I was involved with MIT. I gave a talk at MIT. And there I was fortunate to meet a woman named Julia Beabout who helped us create a 3D version of Bubico. So once we had the actual 3D model, we could put her into various softwares. And, you know, things started to snowball. And now Bubico has made a movie in 3D and all kinds of things are happening with Bubico. So originally it was um, just Bubico was a way of looking at the possibilities before us and how could we take advantage of them. So we well, thought, I'm, I'm pretty sure I, I saw a Bubico book, right? When, oh, when did right. the book come about? So I did make a, a book called uh, Bubico Food Tours Unusual Guide to AR. But as yeah. I wrote in, that, in the description, it, I said, this is going to be outdated as soon as it comes out. So please, if you buy this, let me have your email address so I can update mm-hmm. you. Ah, I see. Okay, I get it. So, so wow. So B- Bubico has has had 
quite a bit of a, a life then. So starting out as a paper doll, eventually right. becoming a book, then becoming um, a, a, like an, an actual AR figure and eventually becoming a movie. That, that, that's incredible, right? Well, and now, you know, she's the star of the NFT. And now, now an NFT, yeah. So, yeah, um, very, very fortunate that it's it's moved this way. But as you, when you start to look at it, all the things are connected. Spatial computing and the metaverse, you know, mm-hmm. they're one and the same, really. I mean, three D sure. game making is not that different from AR, as strange as that may be. The mm-hmm. difference is that AR, you're using physical reality as opposed to a simulated reality. And with digital mm. twins and digital cities, there's going to be merging between the two. And cryptocurrency mm. would be the, the common denominator be, between both the AR metaverse and the VR metaverse. I mean, we could talk about what is the metaverse all day, but sure. I'm thinking five years, 10 years down the road when the AR metaverse and the VR metaverse are linked, then, we, then we'll have a true metaverse. Understood. Yeah, you, you're right. The um, I, let, let me pick up on, on something you said there. The just all of the the issues around these topics of AR, VR, and the metaverse they they, they keep changing, right? So I think you are right when you said in the book you, you've got to collect people's email addresses so that you can keep them updated. Um, even now we, we can say the same thing about what's happening in, in NFTs, but to to keep it on on the the AR side. Um, t- tell us a bit about what your intentions are for, for Bubico and, and how did you ultimately make the decision for it to be an AR project? Uh, well, in 2015, as I mentioned, the Oculus was the trigger for us to get into the world of VR. But, yeah. you know, once you start to really think about what you want to do with VR, you you need a team. You need a much, much bigger budget than we could ever possibly afford. And I'm not afraid to talk to VCs and do that whole thing. But I thought, well, wait a second. Then, then, oh, the other thing is at that time, you know, everybody in the planet has a, has a handphone and the number of VR headsets was very, very small. Okay. So as a, as a producer, as an artist who just wants to make things, the decision yeah. to go with AR made more sense because we could have a smaller team. We could talk about ideas and show them with the DAO what we want to do. Is whereas with a game or a, you know a VR project, you really need a your your proof of concept has to be huge to, to convince mm-hmm. people to move forward. And again, it was linked with spatial computing. I mean, a three D model moving through space is as an artist, as a producer. That's a constant, whether you're talking about a, a game or the physical world, you're always dependent upon the software. But when you start to think of filmmaking and art and things like that, dance, it's how do you make the space come alive? What do you want to sure. do with the space? Understood. And for, for, for you, I think the, the primary focus with Bubico is around food and, and healthy eating. Correct. 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 Yeah. Um, we have talked a lot about the idea of, of tabletop cinema, meaning okay. that you use the table, the plates, the forks as as a stage. Yeah. So food is obviously part of that stage and, and entertainment. That's what we're hoping for, food and entertainment and and education. Yeah, and food is something that, that, that's important to you. 
that's um you actually wrote a few books about food is that correct uh i wrote a book called i ate tiong baru tiong baru is yeah. an area in in singapore with a very interesting history very interesting architecture and interesting food so mm -hmm. i ate tiong baru i'm humbled to say that's a bestseller in singapore uh i wrote another book called furikake Furikake is Japanese rice seasoning, and that's a strange book. It's uh, surreal, and uh, it's a it's a surreal documentary about Japanese rice seasonings. Jay, I could talk all day about different projects. So you got to really <laughs> you got to reel me in here. For sure. Okay, let 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 let's get it back to the NFTs then, because I I know that that's probably what what the audience wants to hear more about. Uh, so uh, actually, our audience has had a bit of exposure to NFTs before with, with our previous guests, but I don't think we've actually had anyone on the show who's actually launching their own NFT. And I really like your NFT project. You, you know, I've posted about it on LinkedIn. Thank and, you. you know, Thank you. I'm, I'm backing you 100%. And I think what stands out about you is that unlike a lot of other NFT creators who are sort of seeing this as a cash grab, I think you mentioned that earlier, like a lot of people are just seeing it as an opportunity to get a bunch of cash and move on. You've actually been bootstrapping Bubico for years. And now that you've built up a community, you're using NFTs to sort of generate this seed funding that would then allow you to take the project to the next level. And I know that there are a lot of persons in the audience who might find themselves in a similar position where they're trying to figure out, like, you know, is an NFT the best option for me? And I'm hoping that if you can uh, share, like, why did you choose NFT for this project? And and maybe share with, with some of our other creators and let them know why they should possibly consider NFTs as well. Okay. Uh, NFTs, they, they are a, a serious commitment. Um, it's not that difficult to make them, but you'll quickly realize that it's a challenge. Um, an analogy could be made with the internet or with uh, Kickstarter where people think, oh, now it's a level playing field and I can just go on there and somehow I'm going to magically, not magically, but I can, I have the opportunity to attract people. And mm -hmm. that's how it is with, with NFTs. You have the, the ability to attract people, but it's you have the same old challenges of marketing and mm. promotion and connecting with people uh, same thing with ebooks you know every day there's probably or or youtube i mean let's look at youtube great opportunity to put your message out into the world mm -hmm. but you you know every day there's what 10,000 videos that go up so you have to realize those are the same challenges that are in the nft world now, the NFT world is small now, but it's going to be growing and growing and growing. And imagine that NFTs now or NFTs in one year are like YouTube is now. How do you stand out from the crowd? So, again, right. it comes back to your identity. What do you how do you define yourself and what do you want to do? If you're committed to your idea, you'll, you'll find a success. That, that's that's a truth. I mean, it's not going to, we can't predict the time, but if you're committed to something, whether it takes one month or one decade, if, as long as you're, you're making steady progress, you will attract energy or followers or money or whatever it is you're, you're looking to connect to. 
Understood. And so you, you earlier you said that the NFT provided an opportunity for you to tie all of these different um, projects together. Uh, is that how you? Is that the reason why you ended up choosing the NFTs? Uh, well, I've always been attracted to new technology. I mean, I okay. was involved with the game making company, and they called me the caveman because I knew I had never played games before. Okay. They 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 laughed because I didn't know that you could right click on a mouse. They they oh, thought yeah. they they thought oh you're an Apple guy and I said no I'm not an Apple guy I didn't know that you could right click on a mouse to do things now of course mm. the learning curve shot up and eventually I was sure. being an art director and doing all that so, sort of things but mm -hmm. anything that's new I'm I'm very interested in and with NFTs um, yes you know hearing the thing is anybody that's involved with the arts that hears about sales you know their ears will will, will perk up. That doesn't mm -hmm. mean that I let, well, to give you an idea, in 2018, I emailed Super Rare. They weren't even called Super Rare then. If you know Super Rare, Super Rare is, you know, the NFT fine art uh, platform. I had yeah. emailed them because I, I saw the first piece of uh, GAN art, GAN art, you know, uh, net, neural network art that was for sale mm -hmm. on super rare. And I wrote to them, I said, wow, I'm an artist. I'm really excited about what you're doing. You know, and we, you know, can I, can, would you consider some of my artwork? And we, we sent about two or three emails, but eventually they said, we're now redoing the platform. And that was in 2018. Yeah. And, and then I was so involved with AR that I never picked that up again. So there was a, ah. a, a precedent in 2018. I, I had heard of super rare, but it was crypto and it was this and that. And I thought I cannot spread myself too thin. I'm involved with AR now and I've, I've really got to keep AR and Bubico going. Understood. Okay. I get you. I, but, but now there seems to be an opportunity to bring those two together. So like for, for a typical artist, what's the advantage of starting an, an NFT project? It, it's a very good question because I don't want to mislead people. You can sure. get something on to OpenSea very easily. It, I would say to, to, to answer you, what is the advantage for an artist to, to make a YouTube video about their art? Mm -hmm. you're, you're accomplishing something and you're getting it, you're creating the possibility to put it in front of people. But what, what do you want to do? Do you want to do it just to say you did it or do you want to build an audience? I would say that you could even, maybe a strategy for NFTs would be to build an audience on YouTube or an audience on Twitter and then launch the NFT. To just launch an oh. NFT without a platform or a community or a lot of thought is going to be counterproductive. You'll do it and maybe you'll be lucky, but maybe you'll be very disappointed. Ah, it's it's just see, like YouTube, except that there are, there's the possibility of sales and money. Yeah, no, I, I get that a hundred percent because at the end of the day, it, it's, a, it's about the, the work that you're putting in and also about the community that you're able to build up around yourself. Who's going to see, value in these nfts right and um it, it's also i think that it's a little different too um in terms of well the, the, on on the money side right where you're now able to sell this product um for some substantial value uh 
and and that in itself can can sort of create these dilemmas is is that something that that you're thinking about in terms of like using this nft to to raise money see i i have no stars in my eyes i'm fully prepared that i will sell nothing okay if i sell nothing i will not consider it a failure i'll just say well i didn't sell anything i you know what can i do to improve it or what can i do to turn this around but just to say that first of all i'm a nobody I mean, I've done a lot of things and I'm, I'm happy with my life, but it's not like I'm a Jeff Koons or, you know, a, a famous artist. I'm, I'm not. I'm starting from zero and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm OK with that. So we'll see how we are, how we are, you know, six months from now. I mean, <laughs> six months from now, maybe I've got record sales. I, I, you, you have to look at the full range of possibilities. Yeah. You have to think, what if I sell nothing? What if I do an auction and nobody bids? That's not necessarily a failure. It's a learning experience. Yeah, and is. what if I put 500 up and they, they sell out and then I, you know, I, I've got a buzz and I, I release them all. And, you know, then I've got to think, what do I do? What do I do with a lot of money? I don't want that problem. I'm, mm-hmm. I, I don't want to have to worry about Bay, uh, board, a Biot club type money. I do not want that at all. Sure. If it happens, okay, <laughs> I've got a good problem, I guess, but that's not my goal. I don't want to be a bay, bay, bay monkey. <laughs> we could talk about them all day. What is, you know, they're, they're offering utility. We haven't even talked about that. Now, as an artist, mm-hmm. you have to think about utility. Some people have to think about utility. Yeah. I, I, you know, if you make a painting, you don't think about utility. If you make a movie, you don't think about utility. You think about an experience with the viewer or the person that's interacting with the art. So when I hear utility, I listen, but to me that indicates that perhaps the person considering the artwork is an investor or they they want to know what do I get out of it, which is fine, which is fine. I think NFTs have to define themselves. There are some people that are fine art collectors that have one view of NFTs. And there are some people like a lot of kids just want to buy something for 10 cents and put it on their Facebook or not, not Facebook, whatever they put it on. And maybe later they sell it for a dollar. And then there's, you know, stockbroker types in there that are like always searching for the next thing that they can flip. So it's exciting and it's fun, but again, you have to define what you want to do. Yeah. And so from, from your perspective is, is utility something that you're building into Bubico? Uh, well, because Bubico was always meant to be, table you know on a tabletop or educational we've always had to think about that but it was always so far away that we didn't have to now you know Mm -hmm. that is something that i have to consider because it would be nice to create a community of people that like ar that like southeast asian food that like to be surprised you know a light-hearted group that's kind of positive i i think i mentioned in another uh post that we'd like bubico to maybe be involved with uh, hemp products, you know, toy, plastic toys that aren't mm-hmm. oil-based or, you know, organic food, things like that. Yeah, I, I've, I've definitely, I'm hearing you say now, but, but uh, yeah, so sustainable living is also right, a big right. part of, of what you do as well. Yeah. And and that, that probably lends towards um, Bubico being a, an AR product um, that's sustainable and, and reproducible pretty easily as well hopefully yes um you know again with the educational element she could be just in a lighthearted way talking about organic food and 
you know, the vitamin content or where it's from or who grow it and who, or who grew it and things like that. <clears throat> yeah. I'd also I'd also love to get you a take on what you see happening in the AI industry in general. So um, you you mentioned before that there are lots of advancements that that's happening, and we see so sort of from from Oculus um, to now what you see with these different uh, meta metaverse worlds like uh, spatial or sandbox or decentraland. What, what what are your thoughts on on the development of the metaverse of AI and, and VR recently? Oh, you know it it, it it's fun. Um, I I don't have a VR headset. Um, maybe you saw my my post in 2014. I worked with uh, Eugene So, who's a fantastic visionary Singapore artist technician and we created something called spoken which was basically a, a virtual gallery and yeah. i i curated that so it was exactly like spatial but it was you know we had a hundred people that came in on the first night and then you know nothing after that because it was just it was ahead of its time so i see space i we met on spatial we didn't meet in yeah. spatial but we met on the spatial discord so it, it's exciting um but i i think what the word metaverse implies is that everything is connected. So mm. whether you're in spatial or decentral land or a th countless other things, you're able to go in between each one seamlessly. To me, that's what the metaverse is. In the AR world, that is why I'm so excited to be involved with the open augmented reality cloud, because unlike uh, Niantic and Pokemon Go or Microsoft or whoever, whatever company there is, we would like to see, just like the internet is, a situation where you can move from one platform to the other. Just like on the internet, mm -hmm. you can go from the Microsoft website to the Google website to a personal blog to, to whatever. That's how yeah. we would like the AR to be, as well as be, for it to be respectful of privacy. So in the yeah, AR, yeah. in the AR world, we're hoping that whatever exists in AR, one person you know can can visit them all without having to sign in and sign out. So in VR, I can't go from decentral land to spatial. I, mm -hmm. I I think I don't I'm not involved, but I don't think you can. So to me, when that sort of thing happens, that's when we'll have a true metaverse. Now we just have ah. a, now we just have a collection of virtual worlds. I see. I, I don't see. call Decentraland yeah. the met metaverse. That to me, that's just a, you know, it's a virtual world. Mm -hmm. It's not a verse. You know, we have planets, and then we have the universe. No, you're, you're absolutely right. So interoperability becomes. There you go. Really that was the word I was looking yeah. for. Thank you. Yeah. No. For sure. And we. So we we talked about this a bit with the previous guest, uh, Sam Joel, who's building a a virtual world for NFTs for good. So he he's focusing on the in the nonprofit industry, allowing people to uh, buy and donate NFTs to nonprofits, but then also use those NFTs in a virtual world gaming experience. That's one of the things that he talked about, um, being able to take your NFT. So like if you have a Bubico NFT right. and you're able to use it in spatial, but then also use it in, in the central land, but then also use it in um, sandbox and, and move it around and, and be able to, to freely go between these walls 
right and uh and use all the gear and stuff right stuff that you have yeah. i i agree that's what i would call a metaverse and on top of that i would say because ar is based going to become based on digital twins of physical locations there there could be a seamless there should be a seamless interaction so that if you're walking down the street in chicago you're looking at mm-hmm real Chicago with the virtual possibility of the virtual world interacting with that. Mm, yeah, I see that. So it's but an AR, we, VR hybrid. To me, that's what the metaverse would be. Anywhere anywhere that you are, you can interact with AR or the various VR worlds. There's no there's no boundaries. I like that. I actually so we we've seen uh, Meta, formerly Facebook, trying trying to pioneer some of that with their um body tracking, hand tracking, and they've got some some patents around uh, being able to replicate the way that you look and your skin color and do all this stuff so that you actually have that digital twin like like you were referring to. So it it's definitely seems like the the industry is going in in the direction that that um, you are prescribing here. Well, sorry, to, you, what you just said about digital twin is accurate. Um, the term digital twin in AR often means the city, the physical buildings. Mm, okay. I mean, it could be anything, of course, but uh, when I my first thought when I hear digital twin is that they're talking like a digital twin of Chicago, digital twin of you ah, know, of a location. Because once you it, have that data, cool. you you know you yeah. could import that data into the v, into VR, right? Mm-hmm. And vice versa, whatever's in VR, if you know exactly what the the streets of Chicago are, and you have a simulated VR world of Chicago, you can bring it mm-hmm. into the real, the real. That's what I mean by meta. There's a blurring, or there's not a blurring, but there there are no boundaries. I understood. Okay, so the, the the term typically refers to like the physical location, right? But you're, yeah. you're right. I could have a digital twin. I'm, I'm excited because you just gave me a new perception of that word usually we say avatar right yeah yeah you're right avatar we do say avatar an avatar could be a digital twin i could have my avatar look exactly like me and of course there are people doing exciting things like that where you're creating a a a realistic avatar ah for sure and so while we're actually on on the topic of ai let me bring the audience back into it um and so i know that we have a bunch of maybe augmented reality newbies okay. in the audience and uh you with, with your wealth of experience in ar and vr we're ha- happy to have you here maybe you can share some information with the audience and uh, let us know in 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 your um in your opinion where are the opportunities in the emerging ar space and how would people in our audience best position themselves to take advantage okay um thank you for that question uh, last summer, for something called the the Altimetric Collider in Detroit, I organized two panels, and the panels mm-hmm. were about Geopose AR, and one was specifically specifically called Geopose uh, op- Geopose AR opportunities for developers, and I forgot the name of the other one. I think it was a, in an introduction to uh, to Geopose, but again, Altimetric Collider. Geopose, those are two of those are on both of those are on YouTube. Um, my to clarify, my specialty is geopose based AR, which means a a physical location is scanned and then digital objects are positioned in there that are permanent and shareable. 
-hmm. So if 10 people are, are looking at something, you know, 10 people could be looking at something. When I put Bubico in uh, the Thanksgiving Day Parade, everybody in the crowd that has a, a phone with the app could see Bubico. So that's only possible with Geopose. And Geopose okay. is, is open. So it's not owned by Microsoft or Niantic or anybody like that. So as far as opportunities, again, define what you want to do. If you're an artist, if you're a developer, if you're a programmer, um, there's resources out there and just, just start researching and contact me. I'll be happy to help any way I can. But first you have to really have some, some sort of sense of what you want to do. It doesn't have to be perfectly defined, but yeah. you should know what you want to do. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that works for all things, right? Like you need a, a foundation, a place to start, or at least a, an idea of where you want to end up. And yeah. th and then you can figure out which are the, the tools and the avenues that, that can help you to get there. Yes. I mean, it, yeah. it, it's it's a frontier. So we need everything. You know, we need we need artists, but we need business people. We need salespeople. We need, you know, writers. It, it, it's like a frontier. So whatever skill set you have or whatever skill set you want to have, you know, now's the time. For sure. And, and you, you mentioned they're uh, very kindly offering to, to have the audience contact you. So maybe that, that'll be my, my last question to you as, as we wrap up. So you've given us a tremendous amount of knowledge and, and shared a lot of your experiences here. And I'm, I'm hoping the, the audience has been able to get some value out of this conversation. I, I know I have, but hope, if someone wanted to contact you and keep this conversation going and, and maybe also uh, find out more about Bubico and find out about uh, th th this NFT project, how, how would they get in contact with you? What, what would they do? Okay. Uh, there is Bubico Food Tour on Instagram. Bubico mm -hmm. Food Tour is on Twitter. I have a blog called blacksteps.tv, but um, I've had it for years and it's, it's falling apart, but there's still a lot of information on blacksteps.tv. So find me on, on Twitter and just say hello, mention your broadcast. Um, I'm also very excited about giving away some Bubico tokens when they're ready. So I don't know what the final plans for that will be. I'm still trying to figure out gas. As you know, gas is a serious issue and I don't want to start saying, oh, I'm going to give away X number of tokens and then find out that I have to pay, you know, $2,000 worth of gas fees or something For and then sure. kind of have yeah. to change my mind. So I'm hesitant to say that I'm going to give away a lot of tokens, but I would like to mm -hmm. get tokens in the hands of people that kind of understand what I'm doing and aren't going to, you know, do it just to, to flip them. I don't mind if people flip them eventually or do whatever they want, no judgments, but initially I'd like to contact people that are interested in what Bubico is doing and possibly that I can also help them as well. No, I, I get that a hundred percent. So it, it, is, is that something, if, if someone was interested in a Bubico token, how, how would they contact you? Uh, just you... start a conversation on Twitter. On Twitter. Okay. I mean, I, I, I you know, again, there, I want to be very positive about this, but you know, there are some people that hear free and, NFT and they equate it with a money making opportunity. And I want to make it clear I'm not saying anything about M O N E Y. For sure. Understood. Yeah. So for, for those listening in the audience, if, if this is something that sounds interesting to you, uh, if you're into uh, healthy eating, sustainable living, 
Uh, if you're interested in in Asian cuisine, you want to uh, get get in get in touch with Stephen and find out more about the the Bubico project. Uh, this might be an opportunity uh, to contact him and, and learn some more and, and possibly get one of these these tokens. Of course, like he's saying, this isn't necessarily a a money grab thing. Not necessarily something that you're just gonna flip and and make a bunch of money on immediately. It, it is a uh, a project with a long-term roadmap and and definitely trying to to take this to the next level. Um, so, Stephen, I'll add your um, your Twitter handle and your LinkedIn handle and maybe the the link to your Medium blog as well in in the episode description. So, if you're listening now, if you made it all Thank the way you. to the end of the episode, just go ahead and check the description and you find all the links there to get in contact with Stephen Black. Uh, Stephen, uh, just before we wrap up, is there anything else you wanted to share with our audience before we ended? Um, just that in almost everything I do, I hope there's an element of fun and unpredictability because, mm-hmm. you know, life's too short to this, for me anyway, to just to just chase dollars. Of course, I have to think about money and of course I have responsibilities to my family and friends. But, you know, if, if this isn't fun, uh, then it's not worth doing. There's so much time involved and so much hard work involved and so much boring stuff that if the end result isn't something that's fun or, or positive, you know, it's hard for me to be in, to be involved with it. So if anybody has that same spirit of let's just have some fun and see what happens, let's go. Bubico is going to be a lot of fun. Nice. She, she, is, a lot, she is a lot of fun. She is a yeah. lot of fun, whether she, whether she falls on her face in the NFT world or whatever. She's she's fun. She's funny. Nice. Well, that, that that's an amazing way to, to end it. So, Stephen, thank you very much for joining us here on the podcast. We appreciate the insight that you shared and the, the advice that you shared with the audience. You're, you're a true innovator in this space for as long as you've been in here. And uh, we, we appreciate you just sharing your thoughts with us and, and leading us in this conversation. Uh, so best of luck to you with the NFT Thank project. You. Thank you very much, Jay. Thank you.